0: thanksgiving rejoicing in our hearts excitement for what you are going to show us and teach us through your holy word thank you lord that your word is truth it is righteousness it's health and healing to all of our flesh our soul and our body and we bless you for it today lord in jesus name amen praise god amen 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 praise god so we're going to talk about the day after friday the day after friday a day after Friday. Uh, Since it is a day after Friday, I thought we would do some uh, investigative researching and see if we can follow Jesus uh, from the uh, time of his death and burial uh, to his resurrection. Uh, It's a three-day journey and uh, I thought it would be interesting because I often uh try and think in my mind if I have the facts correct you know accurately what happened when you get scriptures you know scripture is it's kind of a road map it always uh uh, uh entices the curious because you get a scripture and you don't know where to place it so you got to find another one and you got to get more so it's kind of exciting to me to study the word because you can um, put together a picture that God wants us to draw as believers with God giving you the answers through his Holy Spirit so don't ever be afraid to ask questions and search out the scriptures the Bible tells us to do that because God will always bring you answers. If if uh, He doesn't, if you you don't have the strength in your spirit or the gifting to be able to to grab these things yourself, He'll always give it to somebody through a book, through preaching, through something. But He will always answer every heart question and every heart cry. So I thought we would start with <coughs> on Friday. We'll go back a day at the time. Of Jesus' death. And in Matthew chapter 12. It prophesies. He prophesies about what's going to happen to him. And Matthew 12 verse 40. You know well, Shannon I guess you can pass those diagrams out. Because I'll be needing those to talk about pretty quickly. And so um, these are diagrams. They're just little rough sketches. Uh, if we can give um, uh, single people one. And. And. Um, Ingrid and Lee can probably share one. Then you can do your own little scribble on there, make your own little notes, <laughs> so that uh, when you want to make notes in reference to the diagram, you can. But Matthew twelve forty says, "For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days." And three nights in the heart of the earth. So, what's in the heart of the earth? That's what the uh, that's what the uh, forensic investigator would ask. What's in the heart of the earth? And if people don't know and don't understand, hell is there. That is the location of hell. Many people try to get in denial about hell. If you look at different kinds of studies where they do questionnaires and for Christians you'll find that many Christians don't believe hell is a literal place but it is it is in the heart of the earth The Bible says that there is a place prepared for Satan and his angels and I believe it's prepared with the elements that Satan uh, used himself. Through his own iniquity. So the byproducts of iniquity. Is what you'll find in hell. Got me? That's why. When you're saved. And your sins are forgiven. And they're paid for. That cancels hell's claim on you. And the byproducts of iniquity. Don't belong to you anymore. Got me? So. Everything has to be accounted for that's brought forth in this earth. As you sow, you reap, the Bible says. And so <clears throat> if your sins have been accounted for through the atonement, then that, that place prepared for Satan and his angels, your assignment there is canceled. And all the byproducts of that place are canceled against your life okay both in this on this side and the other side everything that hell has that would have been yours had it not been for the shed blood of Jesus is now canceled against you the Bible says even the ordinances that were contrary to us the things we weren't able to do were nailed to the cross so the weakness the not able to I can't I can't maybe I can't pray like you do or maybe I don't have faith like you that's been nailed you got So you can pick up the strength that you need and you can pick up everything that you need because of the shed blood of Jesus and that's very important for us to keep in mind as we talk about uh, where, where Jesus spent the three days so the day after Friday we see now he was three days he prophesied he said I will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth just like Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly so that parable Uh, There's a similarity there between Jesus and Jonah. And you know Jonah was... was spit out alive outside of the whale's belly, and so Jesus came out alive of that tomb. Amen. And so we're out of hell. So we'll talk about what what he did. As best I can I'll try to put this together and, and we'll help each other to get understanding. In Luke twenty three then, if you'll turn there, we see Jesus has an appointment somewhere on Friday. So we find out where he is on Friday. In Luke twenty-three, and verse twenty-three, verse forty. Let me see if I got it right. <clears throat> yeah, uh, Jesus here is is hanging on the cross this is his crucifixion and Jesus is uh, releasing forgiveness to the people who are mocking him and who are are uh, you know the especially in verse 34 where the um, uh, the um, soldiers are you know throwing dice rolling the dice to see who's going to get his clothing and so he says father forgive them for they know not what they do and the people stood stood beholding and the rulers also with them deriding him saying he saved others let him save himself etc etc. <clears throat> And the soldiers mocked him. Saying if you're the king of the Jews save yourself. And so uh, uh, verse 39. One of the evildoers or thieves. Which were hanged railed on him. Saying if you're the Christ save yourself. And us. Mocking. Mm -hmm. Salvation does not come to mockers. That's not a sincere request for salvation. Mm -hmm. So he had no revelation of who Jesus really was. And therefore mocked him. But the other answering rebuked him. Saying don't you fear God. Seeing that you're under the same condemnation. In other words it's time to put the jokes aside. And really focus in on your situation. This is no time (coughs) to try and condemn somebody else with your words and taunt somebody you know you've been a thief and a crook all of your life when are you going to stop in other words and when is it going to get serious enough for you to turn to God and isn't that what we wonder about everybody we pray for that's not quite safe when is it going to get serious enough for them (laughs) you know don't you realize where you're headed if you don't receive Christ don't you realize the and so this is what moves people to repentance this, this kind of situation right here. And you see how easy it is for one person to interpret it one way. As though there is no God and they're free to mock and continue on and sin the way they've always done. And the other guy will take it seriously and turn his heart toward God. And, and you know if there's any way I can be saved let me see what I can do. And he says for we indeed justly we received Our due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Now how did he get that understanding? That revelation comes from God. See in this man's heart he sought uh, a sincere answer from God. He watched Jesus. He saw what they did to him. He heard what he had heard about him perhaps. And so on, on his last dying hour... He decides to try and put it all together. Because he realizes if nothing else this is my last chance. This is my really last chance. You know you know. some people can have difficult times and think it's their last chance. And they escape and they're right back to sin again. And so here this guy says you know what I know this is my last chance. But many people think if, if these people who confess Christ on a deathbed they're not sincere. Are you kidding me? It's probably the most sincere anybody will ever get if they've got half a brain. And so he says we've done nothing amiss. Well we justly we're here because of our deeds. We're sinners and we acknowledge we're sinners. So that's step number one in repentance where you acknowledge you're wrong. You know you're wrong and you, you own up to it. And then number two is how do I get out of this? If there is a way out how do I get out? And so these are two conditions of a person's heart that lead to conversion or lead to salvation. is They must, number one, acknowledge their own sin. And number two, seek a remedy for it. Seek that God is their remedy. And so he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, truly, I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. Okay. So we know Jesus has an appointment in paradise that same day. Now, where is paradise? I want you to look at your diagram. <coughs> you know, hold your places in your Bible cuz we'll refer back to the word and so forth. But in paradise is described in there's a parable about paradise in Luke chapter sixteen, so you want to flip back there, but keep your eyes on your diagram to get a full understanding of where Jesus went immediately after he was um, he was buried so uh, after he he uh gave up the ghost uh, in let me think which one luke twenty three in verse 46 his words were to his father were father into thy hands I commit my spirit and so Jesus entrusted his spirit to the father so whatever was done by his spirit from that point on was under the father's control so this was the will of the father it was not jesus acting on his own we know that he never acted on his own he always did the will of the father so you have the the commitment of god the father being fulfilled here as well as the obedience of the son and the commitment of the son to receive everything that has been promised to him by the father so there are a number of things that are are going on here Uh, Jesus is fulfilling his obligation uh, to atone for the sins of mankind and to fulfill that total commitment but also he is receiving of the father the reward that is being given to him as one who has paid that price and fulfilled the ultimate destiny the bible says he was obedient unto death even the death of the cross he humbled himself and god has highly exalted him and given him a name above every name so that name then begins to ascend as he goes through the obedience of that the father wants him to complete. And part of that is going into hell and into the lower parts of the earth. But we see him first stopping off in paradise to fulfill the commitment that he has given to this thief. That he is preserving on the cross. So paradise then. Let me see where was I going? I just finished Luke 23? 23. Okay. So then the next one was Luke 16. Okay. So <clears throat> we're explaining what paradise is and where it is. And Luke 16, verse. Mm-hmm. Starting in verse 19, there was a certain rich man. Which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. So this is a wealthy man who had all kinds of material possessions. He ate what he wanted, desired what he want, whatever he desired. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores. Desiring to be fed with crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes being in torment. And seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said father Abraham. So this was a covenant man that lived like this got me he was a jew that did not live according to the law he didn't obey the the laws that he was supposed to obey have mercy on me and send lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for i am tormented in this flame but abram said son remember that you in your lifetime received your good things likewise Lazarus evil things but now he is comforted and you are tormented and besides all this between us and you there is a great gulf fixed so that they which would pass from there to you cannot neither can they pass to us that would come from here so you see paradise is separated from hell by a great gulf so it's like if you say like anybody ever flown over uh, the Rocky Mountains and you see the Grand Canyon under there. Well it's kind of like that only probably greater because nobody can get across. But they have awareness of what's going on over on both sides. So then paradise we know from this is a place that's prepared for saints who have died in obedience to God. Uh, Paradise then seems to be. I don't want to call it a holding place. But it's a pleasant place. Where the departed that have died in Christ so to speak. Or in faith in God. In the real one true and living God. Obedience to his law etc. etc. Those who have lived that kind of life in obedience to God's law. They were kept there. It appears that heaven was not open to people who died in faith at that time under the old covenant. So that was the old covenant place for the departed saints. And it it looks as though there is a gulf between them and there is hell on the other side, which is a place of torment. That's what it says here. They are tormented and they understand how they got there. Because the the rich man understands now what he should have done right. See God is faithful he can't deny himself. See everything that's, that's true will be revealed to people at some point. See, and, they, in a, and in a way where they won't be able to escape the truth. So the Bible says there's weeping and gnashing of teeth in hell. Because they have an awareness of, boy those, remember those Christians. Now I know it's like dang I missed my chance. Those Christians that used to, to witness to me and I made fun. They were telling the truth all along. Think of all the people who are who are are changing their mind about gay marriage every day it, because it's so blasted in the media and it 's made like people who would stand against that are somehow wrong we 're bad people, and the Bible says "Woe to those who call good, evil, and evil good." and so within that woe means that unless they repent and change their minds they're going to wind up just like these people you got me until they get saved and understand and come to a knowledge of the truth and they're able to live in that truth you got me in other words they're able to speak the truth say the truth no matter what happens that truth is in them and they never waver from it problem we have now is we got a lot of wavering people in the church We got a lot of wavering people that waver on many things. But when you start wavering on and lining up with people who are leading people to hell. Whether they know it or not they're leading them there. Huh? then you're you're in, in danger and, and uh, offense to God so that needs to be straightened up in the church it needs to be changed in the church and people who are trying to make it sound like now I'm not saying hate anybody this is a far cry from hate we're not talking about how you feel about that individual but it's how you feel about God and his word this word we don't change We it was handed to us by God and it's up to us to believe and embrace embrace that word no matter what happens and so we're seeing people who don't like the stand see they don't like the stand they like it as long as they're standing for something they want but when they're standing for something that causes them some persecution then they don't want the stand anymore and so here back to our parable he says there's this great gulf between us and it's fixed So that nobody can go from either side. Neither can they pass to us that would come from there. And he says I pray you therefore father. Would you send him to my father's house. For I've got five brothers. In other words probably living the same way I did. Hmm? And that they may testify to them. Lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him. They have Moses and the prophets. In other words, they have been told, let them hear them. In other words, they got, they have scriptures that they can refer to, they have a, a witness there, they have the word there, they have you know, in other words, if they straighten up and go to the synagogue instead of, or the temple instead of laying there all day eating grapes like you did, and, and make up their minds to serve God, they've got a chance. So God has left this record for humanity to understand right and wrong and to know how to prepare yourself for eternity. And he says they have Moses and the prophets let them hear them. And he said nay Father Abraham but if one went to them from the dead they'll repent. You see how people in hell just want to stretch. See he won't accept God's method of salvation. No, no, I don't want that. No, because I had Abraham and the prophets and I didn't. But if, if if something else was done for me, you see, never accepting responsibility, always excuses. You get his mindset? Gee, I know I had all of that, but that wasn't enough to convince me. But if somebody else had come and done this and done that, then they, you know, tempting God telling god how to get people saved telling god how to do his job in other words that uh, i didn't get enough of a chance in other words and he says if if somebody from the dead went they'll repent and he said to them if they hear not moses and the prophets you got me there's a way that god has to save everybody and it doesn't include any kind of extreme scheme you know in other words He's telling us as believers just stay faithful to preach the gospel. That's going to win everybody. There's no extraordinary length you need to go to. To convince somebody that Jesus Christ is real and he loves them and he wants to save them and it's worth serving him. There's no extreme situation. You know how sometimes your mind will say well I don't know what's taking so long for, for my cousin or my brother or my son or my daughter. Something Maybe if I did so it's the same thing here. You know the crazy religious imagination trying to conjure up something other than God's way his way has always been to preach the gospel to stand on the word to pray to not lose heart to not faint and not to try and go to any extreme. So that they can, uh, you know, make a special case out of somebody. There are no special cases, and that's good for us because the gospel will win everybody to Christ. You know, it's so simple. If we will just do the simple things that God's given us to do, uh, we His and let His word work. Just preach His word and let Him be concerned about bringing the increase. So, so if we'll do that and stay with that, there's no extreme anything we need to do to get somebody convinced that god loves them and and god is coming for them and, and he wants to be their god so so that's the story on uh paradise and hell the place of torment underneath hell is a place called the bottomless pit so hell seems to have depth to it So even though your your picture your little diagram has a line showing a a finiteness to it, it should be open at the bottom because it's bottomless. (laughs) See, bottomless pit. Now we know hell's compartmentalized because we've had some evidence of that with people who have visited hell in the past and described it. Uh, Mary Kay Baxter. If you ever read her books on uh, revelation, divine revelation of hell and divine revelation of heaven, she talks about hell having being shaped like a human form. A part of it that she visited, there was an arm and a leg, and you know, there's sections depending upon the gravity of offense that people have offended that's her I don't know about that but that's her description of it we see aside from hell is to the right is a lake of fire hell so there are depths to the torment that goes on and then on the left there's a place called Tartarus which is An abode of wicked angels. So I think you guys have a few scriptures there uh, relating to those different places. So we're going to talk a little bit about that so that you'll get an understanding that that God has his way of judging and how he's prepared uh, these places for the unrighteous and the unrepentant. So we said Jesus promised he prophesied that he'd be three days and three nights in the belly of the earth. So hell we know is is underneath the ground and in the belly of the earth. Now the Bible also talks about the fact that he descended first. So there is no ascension before descension. He went directly there. So in Ephesians chapter 4. We see that in verse 9, verse 8. It says, In verse 7, but to every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. In other words, you can't do what my gift can do because you're not graced to do it. And I can't do what your gift can do. Thank God that people use their gifts for for God. You know, because we're all, if you think about how limited we are individually, uh, you know, as far as being able to... Live by ourselves. And take care of ourselves. And all that kind of stuff. We are severely limited. And so the grace of Christ has to work in us. To enable these these gifts. Uh, to be be utilized by him. And so it says. Wherefore he saith. When he ascended up on high. He led captivity captive. And gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended. What is it. But that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. So in his ascension he gave gifts unto men and it's specifically talking about the ministry gifts and also the gifts of the Spirit that that compose uh, composed the ministry. you know that a ministry you don't have a ministry without the Holy Spirit and his gifts. And so he, he descended that he might, Uh, 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 descended in that same also hold on verse 9 now that that he ascended what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth he that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things so Jesus is fulfilling his obligation to fill all things in other words to claim every part of the earth Every part of heaven, every so that he's Lord of all. So he goes in in full authority and lordship in all of these places so that he can lay claim to them as Lord of all and fill all of these places. Even the lower parts, the parts that we're afraid of, he fills. David said, where can I go to escape your presence? If I make my bed in hell, you're there. And if I descend upon the heights, you're there too. You're Lord of all. You're everywhere. And so Jesus then fulfills this and makes known of it in his resurrected form. Now Jesus was always Lord of all but when he took on the shape of a human he took on the shape of a man he began to fulfill lordship and dominion on the part of humanity so that as a man he could die And pay the price for our sins and then be raised up for our justification. So that we can live as just people on this earth and not just sinners saved by grace. There's something wrong with that whole concept. Because that stops at the cross. And it doesn't take into mind any of the work that was done by Jesus as a sinless man invading all the places where people who had died in sin had had their abode see there's something different about his his appearance in these places because every soul that ever went there before went because they had sinned but he went there as a sinless man that he might fill all of these places with what with the knowledge of the truth because when, when the people who are in paradise look over at the people who are in hell, there's an evidence there that somehow they missed it. You know, there's something they could have had, they think maybe, that they have not been able to enter into. Why is that? And so then Jesus comes down into the lower parts to give total revelation to them about what's going on how it happened who it happened to why it happened and he comes there as lord and king over all humanity to show them that there was a man who lived perfectly before God and he was chosen as the one who would redeem all the souls of the whole earth so that he can gather those together he can create a new life for them they can come into whatever inheritance he has they come come into that now And so Jesus then was able to go into the lower parts of the earth and and declare his lordship and declare redemption of all souls who would believe in him. So he says he descended and led captivity captive. In other words he took the keys to death and hell. It says that in Revelations one eighteen. (coughs) <coughs> and that's the important part he went there in dominion he went there with authority over all works of darkness so when he committed his spirit into the hands of the father the father then was able to restore all power to him and give him resurrection power and confer upon him a name above every name and I believe that when he went into to hell as the as with resurrection, life, and power in him, I believe that all those souls there had to bow to him because they recognized his lordship. See that that has to be recognized because he paid the price for that. Now, because he hadn't ascended yet and poured his blood over the mercy seat has nothing to do with him having a name above every name and having lordship over all things as a resurrected man. It just means that those things had not been fulfilled for him to have that crowning and his ascension ministry established yet. But as one who had paid the price for the things that he was accomplishing under the earth he had paid full price for those things. So he was free to um, minister and to receive what belonged to him there. He was free to uh, receive souls, uh, that, that had been, uh, 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 bottled up in paradise, waiting for him. Uh, the souls when he when he uh, went into the earth, immediately the graves opened of people who had died in Christ, of all the the Old Testament saints. Those graves opened, so it, it, there is a transfer there of authority and power immediately after he gives his his he commits his spirit into the Father's hand so it's like this the first thing the father wants to do is get people out Amen. you got me he wants to free people up that's the first thing that's on his mind because those graves opened immediately after Jesus uh when uh he gave up his spirit let me see if I can find that for you might be a Luke one then it might be a John one I'm not real sure Maybe John. Oh, uh, like I said, Matthew. What's <laughs> that'll be wrong, too? no it won't let's see come on Lord help me out Lord (laughs) okay it is in Matthew in Matthew chapter 27 Jesus' death in verse 48 straight away one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar put it on a reed and gave him to drink the rest said let him be see whether Elijah will come and save him Jesus when he had cried with a loud voice yielded up the ghost and behold the veil of the temple was rent into from the top to the bottom and the earth did quake and the rocks uh, rent so it appears that he immediately descended into the lower parts when when the earth tries to hold the creator you know what happens don't you it can't hold it tried to hold the life of the the creator the sinless son of god it just can't happen so the earth has to yield to the power that Jesus had when he came off that cross he laid down his life but then when he put his spirit into his father's hands the father gave it back to him with greater power this time when, because when he walked the earth he said all power is given to me in heaven and earth and so he as he walked the earth it was power was limited because of what the father wanted him to demonstrate while he was here and also he had not paid the full price for to be the son of God in resurrection power and so it says here the earth quaked the rocks broke or f- flew open. And the graves were opened. And many bodies of saints which slept arose and came out of the graves. After his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Now <clears throat> those graves the bodies no doubt were reunited with the spirits and the souls that were down in paradise. Because if, you're, if your body is buried and it's right here. The the Tent that you, you lived in when you walked here, the flesh and bones or whatever's left ashes your spirit and your soul then are what is carried off into eternity and so here we have the the spirit's and the souls being reunited with bodies of people that had died in Christ and that's perhaps what was the transaction that was happening as Jesus went down to paradise and found them he just began to make them whole again and restore to them and then put them in a state where they could those bodies could be glorified and they could be taken up to heaven and so here he is working to re to make every whole to restore everybody spirit soul mind and body throughout eternity he does that for us as we walk in in eternal life down here that's the purpose of eternal life coming back into us to make us whole and not fragmented That's why we renew our minds we get transformed through the renewing of our minds in the word of God so that our souls can fit into these tents and can can bring these tents back to eternal life again. So what he's able to do for us after he's paid the price for us he has to do with those departed souls too that he's paid the price for as well. And so he begins to restore and make whole Everybody, Spirit, soul, mind, and body. All of the redeemed get the same treatment. So here he is. Where were we? We were at. We departed a little bit. I digressed a little bit. Descended, led captivity captive. So in Revelations 118, it says he has the keys to death and hell. Amen. Yeah. This is the vision of John when he says, verse seventeen. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he si- and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive for evermore, and and have the keys of hell and of death and so when he went down into the lower parts of the earth he took dominion over those places he fills those places so that he can rule and reign there and have dominion there and so he establishes resurrection power all over the earth and under the earth even in the lower parts he establishes resurrection power there so now Jesus is in charge of who goes to hell not that he wasn't before but he's able to do it in such much greater power than he ever was before because of the church because of who he has working for him he's able to do this in so much greater power because he makes the decisions on all of this he fills everything so in in acts chapter 2 it speaks about where jesus soul was and it shows it gives it gives evidence to the fact that he went into these parts not as an ordinary man but as a sinless man because he was immune to the effects of hell he wasn't afraid of hell he didn't have uh, the same response that those who were in torment and all those different things had uh, because he was not allowed to receive corruption in his body so in Acts 2 verse 31 it says he seeing this before spake of the resurrection of Christ that his soul was not left in hell neither his flesh did see corruption so his body even though it was left in the tomb and lying in the tomb did never decomposed. The father preserved it because as soon as sin was put on his soul that soul went down to hell and hell wasn't able to hold it because the penalty was not. He was not paying for his own sins. He was paying for the sins of others. If he were paying for his own sins hell would have trapped him and kept him there. See this is the, the, the great surprise to the devil. Because the devil saw Jesus as just a man that he could lie on get falsely accused kill him and when he saw him come down into hell I believe he thought he had victory because Jesus showed up down there. But what Jesus had done beforehand was committed his spirit to the father and the father judged him sinless. So when he went down into hell instead of his his soul remaining sin remaining on his soul which is really what brings the torment of hell it's the sin that you die in that remains on you you got me? because how many of us are tormented now with things we did wrong in the past and things we should do right now and things we shouldn't do and all these kinds of shortcomings so then hell is a place of eternal whatever you carried on your soul is still there but when Jesus came down there He came down and there was no torment in him because there was no sin on his soul. And God gave him a power that caused him to rule and reign even down in those lower parts because he wasn't subject to the devil's death. He wasn't subject to corruption and he wasn't subject to torment. Never subject to torment. That gives us hope. Because if we have the life of Christ in us, if our minds are renewed to that point, we can get to the point we never suffer torment while we're here, even on this earth. Even though the devil puts things in your path. Even though he gives you shortcomings. Even though he tries to... Put you down and put us down and do everything he can to stop us. We can live in a place where we are not tormented by our shortcomings. We are not hindered by those things. They are not a factor in our lives because we know our sins are forgiven. So it's a wonderful place to live in. If you can stay there and live there forever it's wonderful. Because it's good to know that your sin is separated from you because of the blood of Jesus. So he spent time in paradise. He led captivity captive. And the Bible says he gave gifts unto men. His soul was not left in hell. Neither did his flesh see corruption or decomposition. It did not stay under the power of death long enough for decomposition to take place. Why? Because he was raised up before corruption set in and he spent time in paradise and led captivity captive so in colossians 2 let's investigate what that says y'all still with me here i think i watch too many detective (laughs) shows colossians 2 i hope this is clearing up questions because i used to have i and i still do have a few questions i said well he was there for how long what he do and does that account for all of his time (laughs) you know the way the investigators do we retraced the steps and he had enough time to go here there and there and there okay colossians 2 and verse 15 it says here he spoiled principalities and powers and made a show of them openly triumphing over them in it okay so he led captivity captive And he spoiled principalities and powers triumphing over them in it. And I believe this is where in, in the lower parts of the earth where he showed his dominion just being there in power. And in authority, where this place had no authority over him, he came down there. The soul of a man shows up in the lower parts of the earth, and it has and all of their torments and all of their uh, sin and, and degradation has no effect on him whatsoever. So he triumphed over all principalities and powers and made an open show of them. And I believe this is when the the devil thought he had him. And when Jesus came through with more power on him than Satan had ever seen in his life on a man. You see he had more power even than he had on the earth. Because when he was on the earth he had not fulfilled everything that the father had given him to do to establish his rulership and have a name above every name. He was subject to what the father so his power was kind of like given to him as he needed it by the father and he yet still had different things to obey to fulfill his commission and to satisfy the father that he had received this name and earned this name. And so he was when when he descended into the lower parts that was to be expected all people go there when they die question is does he go to paradise or does he go to hell well here he's a guy that's moving around everywhere and he's acting like he owns a place and satan's never seen anybody like that and so he said he made an open show of the devil and his minions in other words he showed everybody there who the devil really was now, the Bible also states that when Satan is revealed, people are going to look at him and say, "Is this the thing that deceived all the nations?" And it, and, and I think that's what the open show was about that he was shown up as a deceiver, not powerful, not anything that that people on earth think he is, when people get trapped up in, in sin, and they feel so helpless. And then one day they look at the devil and they said, "Is this the thing that kept me bound?" For with a drug addict that's on drugs for twenty years and dies of an overdose, when 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 uh, Satan has made an open show, he looks at him and said, "This is the thing that I that I obeyed all those years and thought I couldn't get over this." And so Satan will be shown up to be the powerless rat that he is and he was shown and i believe that happened when jesus went through hell because he had to have visited every place because the bible says that he fills all that he might fill all things so he there was no place that in hell that he did not go so that he could show his dominion and lordship over it. Why? So that when any of those parts of hell try to lay claim to any human being we can know that under the authority of the name of Jesus that power has to bow. See, he had to make an open show. Of the devil and all of his cohorts, for that 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 power to to be retained. Now, <clears throat> they're different. I'm just going to go through you some of the names that the Bible uses for hell, so that you you'll know the distinctions. Um, this little diagram I gave you is really the major has for you the major understanding of of what hell is in the lower parts of the earth and that kind of stuff now the word uh um uh the word grave when that word is used in the bible grave really means a figure of death that's the place where people are buried so when it says grave that's all that means is a place where the body is held after someone dies the words, though, that are used for hell in the Old Testament Hebrew is Sheol, S H E O L, and it's oftentimes translated as the unseen world. The same place in the Greek is Hades, H A D E S and that refers to hell and the unseen world. There is another word for hell that's used and I think it's primarily used in I going to do it my little paper. Oh yeah. Primarily used in the book of Revelation when it talks about the final judgment. And the final place it talks about the lake of fire in the book of Revelation. That word is Gehenna. G-E-H-E-N-N-A. And that's a place of final judgment. So when they talk about Jesus' soul not being left in hell. It's it's Hades. Okay, That's the one it's talking about. So he visited that place. Because that's where all human souls go. So we know that when he got there. There was nothing on him. No charges. All charges had been dropped (laughs) by that time. You got me. And so he was able to ascend over that place. And get dominion and authority over it. We talked about paradise separated from hell by a great gulf. Paradise is a place of soul torment. Lazarus we know was on the paradise side. The rich man was on the hell side. The thief that died with Jesus was on the paradise side. We know that paradise was that holding place for the saints that departed who were waiting for the resurrection. It seems that they were aware of where they were. It was not an unpleasant place because the reward for serving God would have to be included in paradise. But heaven was not open to them because Jesus had not yet ascended he descended first into the lower parts of the earth tasting death for every man and not liking the taste of it it's not normal to like death or the taste of death like Jonah was three days and nights in the belly of the whale so was Jesus three days and nights in the belly of the earth The uh, uh, there's a, a reference to paradise or not, not as the word paradise but it seems that um, there's an evidence in the Old Testament of the existence of paradise and that is I don't know which Samuel this is. I think it's Second Samuel, chapter twenty-eight. I'm gonna try it. I somehow I forgot to write. First is there twenty-eight in Second Samuel? No. <laughs> okay. How about one? I don't know where this reference comes from, but I'm going to try. And um it's the reference of Samuel uh and Saul. Saul was alive at that time, so let me see where did Samuel die? First first Samuel 28. Okay. And 14. Yeah, and this is uh, the... Sam uh, Saul and the witch of Endor when when you know when religious people can't get an answer from God when they can't get a prophecy from God they go to Madame Cleo you know it's just the way it is they just want to be guided by anything so you know kind of got to watch collecting prophecies words and prophets Uh, there are a lot of people that feel they're getting words from God that aren't you know when they go shopping for them so anyway It says, uh, Saul, verse 10, Saul swore to her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord liveth, so shall no punishment happen to you for this thing. In other words, conjuring up a familiar spirit to give him advice. And the woman said, Whom shall I bring up? And he said, Bring me up Samuel. And when the woman saw Samuel, she cried with a loud voice. In other words. (laughs) <laughs> she she'd been working her craft with familiar spirits but with the real thing showed up and put a different light on things so uh it, you know and now people who dabble in the dark arts know when they bump into God did you know that because Jesus being sovereign God knowing all things um, I've had people share with me in testimony sometimes that they went to a psychic and they said uh, no I can't tell you anything because God won't let me so they know the difference they know the difference between their familiar spirits and the spirit of God and so it says that when the woman saw Samuel she cried with a loud voice and she spoke to Saul saying why have you deceived me for you are Saul. And the king said to her be not afraid what did you see? And the woman said unto uh, Saul I saw the gods ascending out of the earth. And he said to her what form is he of? She said an old man comes up and he's covered with a mantle and Saul perceived that it was Samuel and stooped with his face to the ground and bowed himself and Samuel said to Saul why are you messing with me can you please leave me alone so we know number one that paradise is in the lower part of the earth that's where the departed saints go because that's where Samuel was and with God's permission they can contact earth whether we like that part of it or not, because the Bible's true. Now, and people say, "Well, that wasn't Saul, because you can't do that." Well, God can do anything He wants to do. And I think if a if a prophet's earned his right to go to paradise and be peaceful, we know it's a peaceful place, and we know that to come back to the earth disturbs people. For people who can't let a go of. Dear departed ones, I fear like they serve their time here, you know. Aches and pains and bills and taxes and trouble. And if they feel like it's time for them to go and rest in God, leave them alone and let them be peaceful. Amen. He says, Have you, and you disquieted me to bring me up. And Saul answered, I'm really distressed. <laughs> He's looking for another prophecy philistines are making war against me and god has departed from me and don't answer me no more and then by the prophets or the dreams therefore i call you that you may make known to me what is it. and samuel said why are you asking me see the lord has departed from you and become your enemy and the lord had done to him as he spake by me for the lord has rent the kingdom because you obeyed not See, so you get the same last prophecy you got from him you can get the same one Amen. And Saul fell straight away along the earth, etcetera, etcetera, and was sore afraid because of the words of Samuel, there was no strength in him, so it's over for Saul, Amen. So but you see there, number one, paradise is a place of peacefulness. Where the departed souls have peace forever until uh, they go to heaven which is a higher place of peace. So it it appears that, that Samuel ascended from paradise back to the earth again. By that one time permission from God to prove to Saul that God's word was, you know, just don't keep doing this. Scare him away from the witch of Endor and from working in familiar spirits. And so, which would work against him in his mercy. You know, you're already disobedient to God. Don't cross over and start working for the other side. Amen. And so, that's, that's part of what was being proven there. So, in paradise, the reason... That paradise it seems existed was because under the old covenant the sins were only covered. They were never remitted and totally removed or purged. So as you living there you're an earthly tabernacle and the blood of animals provided your covering. If you have faith in that, because God, that's what God told you to do, that faith carried you to paradise. Old, Old Testament saints uh, um, that died under the law died were 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 taken to paradise because they had faith in the law. They have faith that if they fulfill the law, then then they would be right with God, and, and that's right because they had to do it they, they, the Bible in Hebrews 11 says by faith Moses kept the law all the ordinances and the sacrifices and everything so they had to have faith in what they were doing to please God so sins were never remitted they were only purged in Hebrews 9 have you turned there for a bit In Hebrews 9 and verse 26. For then, okay, it says, uh, verse 23. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these. So we're still talking about the fact that their sins were only covered and not purged, so there was a pattern in the earthly tabernacle of the heavenly tabernacle, and so the pattern of things in the heavens had to be uh, purified with pure things, but the the uh, uh, things on the earthly tabernacle were purified with earthly things. So there was an animal sacrifice prescribed for this, for Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands which are the figures of the true but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf or for us nor yet that he should be often offered as, as the high priest entered into the holy place every year with the blood of others. For then he must often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now, once in the end of the world, he's appeared to put away sin, put it away, put it away by the sacrifice of himself. So when sin is put away, you are, it's not a consideration anymore you are made a new creature and the new man steps to the forefront and begins to live out this new testament life for us and through us so it's appointed unto man once to die and after this the judgment and so it says christ was offered To bear the sins of many and unto them that that look for him he shall appear the second time without sin unto salvation. And so he appears to us a second time if we obey God and we're able to, to receive Christ. We who have received Christ he will be received by us as a sinless man. In verse 21 here it says here he sprinkled blood both with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And this is the earthly tabernacle. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood and without the shedding of blood is no remission. So the blood was really to, to um, purify the altar so that people's prayers could be received and their their uh, wishes could be granted and, and their the things that they needed from God were granted to them and it had to be renewed every year and so Christ because he made an atonement through its eternal blood His blood still speaks throughout eternity. Is able to purify us and purge us from our sins. So our sins have been totally purged and evacuated from us. Well Barb why do people sin? Well why do you get distracted from the fact that you're a holy person? See it's the deception of the enemy again. Who draws us off from our our righteous stand and and gets our attention onto something of unrighteousness and then from those old figures and old images that are in our souls he's able to tempt us into obeying a lifestyle that we've been really declared free from and so when that happens all we have to do is go back to God and establish righteousness again by confessing God I stepped off I did this how could I keep doing this I did it again that kind of thing and, and step back over into your righteousness don't let the enemy condemn you because your soul has been cleansed and purged from all unrighteousness not even a little bit of it is left and so when we understand that and we understand the power that we have because Jesus went through hell and and cleansed everything out that belongs to God and delivered it back into the hands of the father so that we are able to as the church go through this life on earth with the full benefit of being free from all the devil's power he has nothing that he can, can put over on us or try to, uh, to pin us down with. You know That's why it's such an offense to God when he sees his people imputing sin on one another. You understand what I'm saying? Accusing one another. And so somebody said this to me. And, and they treated me wrong. Trying to put us back over into the category of sinners. Instead of offering forgiveness and atonement for that. And just walking on in in life as, as mature Christians. And, and people who are able to resist the enemy. In all the things that he tempts us with. So, so Jesus was able then. He immediately said. Set apart his work after his death and burial to establish us as righteous people, to defeat the enemy's power against us, to please the Father, to to inherit all things. If you're an heir, you have to go and lay claim to everything. And so he was able to go even under the earth and lay claim to everything. His lordship uh, extends down there as the resurrected Son of the Living God, so that man can have dominion over these things he wasn't lording it over the devil for himself he did it as a man who had lived sinless before God on this earth who had been uh, who sin was laid on him as a sacrifice not because he earned it and who was able to please the father have that sin removed the penalty of it removed so that anybody who lives in him now can live the same way that he lives He did it all for us. Amen. Why don't we stop? Father we thank you for your word and for understanding. For the goodness that you brought to us. To giving us understanding. Of what we have because of what Jesus endured. And we thank you Lord for his great endurance. Everything that he went through. He went through to please you. And to be a sacrifice for the salvation of many. And we thank you for it Lord in Jesus name. Amen. Praise God. Amen. 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 Praise God. Amen. Amen. So um, if you need prayer I'll pray for you. Come on up. I'll pray for you.